right, so here, so here we go. Let, let's get started. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. Now, now more than ever before, now more than ever before, we have to get serious about following Jesus. I think too often we read headlines, we see the news, we see social media, and we can have the tendency to start to worry a little bit. We can have a tendency to kind of shrink back. We can have a tendency to want to keep to ourselves. Church, before we go any further today, can I remind you that Jesus still wins in the end? Can I remind you of what the Bible says? If you haven't read this thing or you haven't got to the back of it, the end of it, I promise you Jesus still wins. All right? So there's some stuff in between that we have to work through, but Jesus still wins in the end. If you're in here today, let me remind you that we can't shrink back, that we can't stand on the sidelines, that we can't waver back and forth. Let me ask you this question. Are you following after Jesus as we're called to do? Are you truly following after Jesus? Like, re- like really, absolutely following Jesus. L- let me re- remind everyone in the room, myself included, that the thing that we're called to do is to worship Jesus and, and then draw others into a relationship with him. Now, I- I'm going to ask this question not to step on your toes, but, but just to get you to think. When's the last time you've led someone into a relationship with Jesus? Don't get any amens for that. All right. When's the last time that you opened your mouth and talked to a non-believer about Jesus? When's the last time that at work someone was wavering back and forth about faith and, and you stepped into the conversation to tell them about Jesus? I, I used to say this. I used to say that, that living in the South, uh, it was easy to follow Jesus. I, I used to say this, that living in the South, it was easy to even talk about Jesus. But, but now, not so much. I don't care where you live. If you proclaim to be a Christian, if you proclaim, to be that, or if you proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God, if you proclaim that Jesus is the only way to heaven, if you proclaim that Jesus was fully God and fully human, if you proclaim that the Bible is the living word of God, we immediately become a minority. And subsequently, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll shrink back, we'll keep to ourselves, and we'll think if we mind our own business, then all of this will eventually pass over. And can I tell you today, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That the enemy, that the enemy wants us to shrink back. That the enemy wants us to keep to ourselves. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that the enemy is actually, that Satan, can we say Satan? It's like, he who shall not be named. Like, we don't want to say his name. I'm, I'm convinced that Satan is even okay with us meeting on a Sunday morning. As long as we don't take it outside the doors. I'm convinced that the enemy is okay with us worshiping. I'm okay that the enemy is okay with us preaching and proclaiming the gospel message as long as it stays inside of these four walls. It's okay if you worship Jesus as long as you don't take it to your workplace. Because if you take it to your workplace, then others might know about Jesus, and God forbid, they might come to church. That their life might be radically changed. Hey, it's okay to have faith on a Sunday morning while you worship, but don't take it into the doctor's office. Because if you take it into the doctor's office, there's, there's a tendency for miracles to potentially happen in a doctor's office if you start proclaiming your faith. Hey, don't take your faith to your family reunion. 
Don't talk to your family about your faith. Because God forbid, if you talk to your family about your faith, then maybe some of those generational curses and those generational tendencies that your family has fallen into will be cast into the void, and they'll begin to live a life of freedom. It's okay. Satan's okay with us worshiping on Sunday as long as we don't take it, if, as long as we don't take it outside the four walls of the church. Our faith in Jesus should transform the relationships we have in every, in every area of our lives, in our homes, in our churches, and in our world. Can I get a little elementary today? Once we've experienced the saving grace of Jesus, we have a mandate to tell others and to stand against false teaching. I'm going to speak plainly. You and I can't save anyone. Only Jesus can save someone. But our mandate is to spread the gospel message and to boldly tell people about the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. When I was in, when I was in high school, man, I had, anybody remember what a Scion XB is? Like the box car? Everybody's like, oh yeah, that weird thing. Yeah, I was the guy that drove one of those. And on the back, on the back of my, on the, it was white, by the way, on the back of my Scion XB, it had a big red cross, and it said, Jesus saves, as big as I could get it on the back windshield. In fact, one time I got pulled over because a, a cop thought that it took up too much of the windshield that I couldn't see outside my back windshield. What was funny, because of the big red cross, people that I went to school with called it an ambulance, <laughs> because I had like this, this white box car with, with this red cross on on the back of it. But I, rem I remember being in school and, and anyone would tell me about a problem, I would just tell them about Jesus. And, and I've kind of carried that tendency into my adulthood. Anytime someone gives me their problems or wants to talk about situations that they're going through in life, I tell them about Jesus. See, the problem in our society is this, especially within the church culture. When someone begins to tell us their problems and our issues, we want to point them to a book. We want to point them to a podcast. We want to point them to a blog. We want to point them to a social media influencer. All those things have their place, but the first direction that we should point anyone is always to Jesus. For some reason in our society, we don't want to point people to Jesus. Let me take a look at the book of Colossians. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there this morning. The book of Colossians, let me give you some history about what's going on. The year is between 60 and 61 A.D., so 60 to 61 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul is in prison for the first of four times. Can you comprehend that just for a second? That, that Paul's in prison for the first of four times, and even while he's in change, chains, even while he's being persecuted, even, even while he's locked up, he takes the time to pen a letter, a letter to the church at Colossae because they were under attack from false teachers, individuals that were teaching that Jesus was not actually God. And the false teaching began a downward spiral in societal normalities. Pastor, are you talking about 60 to 61 AD or 2020 to 2021? I got like one chuckle, that's cute. But Paul was so adamant about a few things. The first one is this. He didn't ignore false teachers. The second one he, is he met them head 
on, but the purpose of not ignoring them, the purpose of meeting them head on, was to always point them back to Jesus. Church, we have to open our eyes and open our mouths. Open our eyes to what's going on around us. Y'all, I, I, I told some people this this week. I'm going to need some new conspiracy theories because the old ones that I used to think were like semi-true have come true, right? right? So, so if y'all have some new ones, like y'all can, y'all can throw them at me. We're not one of those churches, by the way, P.S. We're not like a conspiracy theory church, all right? That was just like, that wasn't me preaching. That was just me being Zach, okay? But we have to pray and declare for open doors. Four things that need to be open. The first one is this, open doors. Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Paul's writing, he says, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. The dude's in prison, and he's writing to people saying, hey, be watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message to proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul's literally writing as he's in chains, and he says, hey, pray for me that I might be able to proclaim the gospel message. Pray for me that I might be able to tell someone about Jesus. Pray, pray for me, not that I would be free, but so that I could make an impact where I am. P- pray for me that whoever I encounter will know about the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. Church, where is our tenacity like Paul had? I was talking to a friend of mine, his name's Greg, this past week. And Greg challenged me, kind of wrecked me a little bit this week. And I was sit- sitting across from him at the coffee shop and and he was asking how the church was going, and, and I told him, I was like, man, it's, it's going great. We've, we've moved into our new locations. We're, we're continuing to grow. God has been so faithful, and he's blessing us. And I said, I, and we just started talking numbers, and, and not that numbers matter when numbers matter. Why do we count numbers? We count numbers because we believe that God's kingdom is growing, not to say, hey, look at what we've done, but to say, look at what God is doing. So we started talking about growth and, and projections. I said, man, I could really see us hitting 200 by, by Christmas. Because he is hitting 250 by, by next Easter. And, and he looked at me without skipping a beat. He said, why couldn't you do that in one week? Why couldn't you do that in, in two weeks at best? If people really believed that they had the best message in the world, don't you think they would be dragging people in to church? Don't you think they would be dragging people in, not that we have it all figured out, just that this is where we congregate and say, hey, Jesus is king, he's Lord, and he's on his throne, and this gives us an opportunity to go into all the world to tell them about who Jesus really is. We talked a little bit about mobilizing the marketplace, and I'm going to get into that in September, but he said this. I told him I would quote him one time, and then I'm stealing this from uh, henceforth. I don't know why I just said henceforth. That's weird, Zach. Can you tell I've been reading some Shakespeare? weirdo but he said this he says if your co-worker doesn't see a light in you then your wattage is at their level if you're not making an impact in your workplace in in wherever you con- uh, come in contact with people then your wattage is at the same level as theirs here's the caveat we can't pray for open doors if we're not willing to walk through them what if, what if doors actually opened that we prayed for? Church, how would we respond? How would we respond? I, I have to put my money where my mouth is. I, I can't expect you to do something that I'm not willing to do. 
So for the past few months, we've been talking about planning churches, and we've been talking about going on mission trips. And, and I need to tell you, I need to tell you a few things that's going on. In the middle of, of the chaos of the world, in the middle of, of everything that's going on, in the middle of the headlines, God is up to something, and, and I believe he's using Multiply Lake Norman. So, so one thing that you need to know about me is I love to write, I love to journal, and I, and I love just to write down things that I feel like I've heard from the Lord. So I've got to go back to, to my journal at the beginning of this one, and, and I wrote this uh, May 22nd of last year. So May 22nd of, of 2020, and I felt like the Lord was, was calling us to grow and to expand and to launch new locations and, and, and new campuses. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, aren't we building a building? Yeah, we're still building. But I told you from the beginning, we're never going to build something just so we can get comfortable and, and sit in. So, so towards the end of, of this year, we'll be launching a new location, but it's going to look a little different. About 18 months ago, I had the opportunity to sit down uh, with a good friend. He's become a good friend of mine. I've, uh, I've had the opportunity to sit down with, with Brad. Brad, can you wave to everybody like you're here? You can stand if you want to. Stand, do the Vanna White turn, all that good stuff. Give it up. Give it up for Brad. But, but about 18 months ago, I, I sat down with, with Brad at Good Drip Coffee when we were upstairs. Those who uh, remember when we were upstairs, sat down with Brad and Pastor Doug. And we just began to dream about coffee a little bit. Fast forward six, seven months, and and then we started sitting down. It felt like every week, um, every Wednesday after, after morning prayer. And, and we just started dreaming and talking and dreaming and talking. And then it got real, like you brought your wife into the conversation, of a conversation that you guys have already been had it, having. But we sat down and, and we, went to, uh, we went to dinner and we sat down with my family and your family. And we just began to dream of what could be. And you began to share your passion about coffee and and reaching people, that, that a coffee shop is fantastic, and you have, you have a passion for coffee, but you have a greater passion for people. You have a greater passion for, for leading people to Jesus. So fast forward a couple more months, and Brad sits across from me, and he says, Pastor, I think we're, I think we're doing it. I think we're going to put our house on, on the market. They lived in Concord, put their house on the market, sold their house in Concord to purchase a home in Hickory to move there to plant a coffee shop to start small groups so that we can plant a church that other people might know about the love, the grace, and the forgiveness of Jesus. Listen, I mean, y'all can, I mean, Mike's, Mike's excited about it. I, I don't know about y'all. We're going to talk about this a, a little more, but, but we can't just talk about it. We have to be about it, and we've been talking about missions. And Josh, where are you? I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of you right now. Like, like you're challenging me. You're challenging me to be better. You're challenging me to step into things that I felt like God's called me to do. And it's like, it's a little uncomfortable, all right? It's a little uncomfortable. I'm going to be honest. So, so Josh uh, sent me an Instagram post. Well, I mean, a week ago? Maybe, maybe a week ago? Eight days, nine days ago? Josh sent me an, an Instagram post, and it was a, a post about individuals who do CrossFit, who have a CrossFit gym in, in Nicaragua, and, and they're going on a trip in October, and Josh shot it off to me and said, hey, this might be something that you're interested in. So I get on the phone. If y'all know me, I'm like, well, let me just send an email. I send an email to everybody's email address that I could find. And, and four people call me back. And I'm like, oh, this is a real thing. This isn't just like a, a social media thing that somebody blasts out. And they go, hey, we're leaving uh, October the 9th. 
I think that's the date. I hope I got it right, babe. If I, if I messed up the dates, I'll apologize later. Uh, but, but October the 9th, and they're going into Nicaragua, and, and here, here's where they are as an organization. They have 60 to 80 people who are doing CrossFit weekly, but they, they, what they say is they don't have a church. And I got on the phone with this guy, and I said, hey, you have a church. Just meet in the CrossFit gym. So as a church planner and as a pastor, we're going down for a short-term mission trip, and we're going to scope it out. What would it look like for Multiply Nicaragua? What would it look like for us to partner with an organization who's, who's doing fitness, who, who's, who's preaching the gospel message? What would it look like for us to actually do what we're saying we're going to do, to proclaim the gospel message? Church, you don't have to do what I'm doing, but you have to do something. You, you don't have to go to Nicaragua. You don't have to plan a church or plan a coffee shop in, in Hickory. But you have to do something. What's God calling you to do? Where is he calling you to reach people? Maybe he's calling you to work with local organizations like Ada Jenkins. Maybe he's calling you to start a Bible study at work. Maybe he's calling you to lead a group to connect people together. Maybe he's calling you to go on a mission trip. Maybe. What if? What if there's someone in this room that God is calling to actually plant a church? What if there's 20 people in this room that say, you know what, I'll, I'll go if, if someone plants a church? What if? Why not? If Stacy Riles was not on vacation today, I was going to pull her up. If you watch this later, I was going to pull you up today. Because when they started coming to church, and they were thinking about being a part of our community, the one question that I asked them was, why not? And th there was no good answer for why not. What's your why not? There is no why not that's greater than telling people about Jesus. And as we walk through open doors, we have to pray for open eyes. Coach, go ahead and stand by the door. Uh, we have to pray for open eyes. Acts chapter 26 verse 17 says this, I will rescue you from your own people. And from the Gentiles, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. When Paul writes this, he didn't say not to tell people they are wrong or, or not just to point your finger or, or not just to get your point across, not just to get your agenda across, but to turn them from darkness to light, to tell them about the love, the grace, and the forgiveness of Jesus. And then he continues to write, and from the power of Satan to God. So that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. For example, church, I feel like we're at a place in society where the biological medical state micromanages the individual liberty and freedom of people just like you and me. Listen, I'm not one of those people that think a vaccine is the mark of the beast. I think that's, that's asinine. Like, I don't, I don't believe in that. But I am concerned of the government's increase into totalitarian, authoritarian oversight that is getting so large that it seeks to micromanage and even punish people of religious faith. It's not a conspiracy anymore. Hear me. I'm not an anti-vax person. I'm anti-big government. I'm anti-government that incentivizes you not to work and print money and just hand it out like we're playing Monopoly. 
I'm anti-government that has so much power and that's so large that can give you every single thing that you've ever wanted or dreamed or desired, but they're also big enough to take it all away. I'm anti-big government that says trust the science, but that same science says a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man. Hey, if you're going to shout me down now, you better shout me down later. I'm just saying that. Listen to this, listen to this quote from two Hungarian Jews in the middle of the Holocaust. People wonder. Oh, don't get emotional. People wonder. How is it that we didn't do something? That we didn't run away? That we didn't hide? Well, things didn't happen all at once. Things happened very slowly. So each time a new law came out or a new restriction, we said, well, just another thing, it'll blow over. When we had to wear the yellow star to be outside, we started to worry. Let me, re- let me read to you again what Paul writes. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that you are so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We've been sent so that others may find forgiveness. We've been sent so that others may find Jesus. Be careful not to fall into government agendas. Be careful not to be divided. Be careful not to take your eyes off Jesus. But more importantly, we have to also pray for open hearts. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Verse 6, hear this. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The way we respond, church, it matters. The way we respond will either open hearts or close hearts. The way we respond will either lead people towards Jesus or away from Jesus. The way we we respond matters. Every husband in the room, you know what I'm talking about. The way you respond to your wife will either give you a kiss at night or that cold shoulder that when you try to put your arm around her, she kind of shakes you off. The the way you respond to her, you will either get that cold shoulder or you might end up on the couch. The way you respond matters. And then we have to pray for an open heaven. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 8 says this, You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. The goal is to always lead people to Jesus. When doors are open that you pray for, are you willing to walk through them? When eyes are open, are you going to do the work that needs to be done to lead people to Jesus? Or are you going to cower in a corner? 
When hearts are open, are you going to have a conversation that leads someone into a salvation message? Church, get on your feet. Church, when heaven opens, will you sing a hallelujah that salvation has come to earth?